Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. And today I'm joined by special guest co host, Adam Sass, who's a regular Scooby on here and also a YA author. Yay! Yay! Um, and also today joining us are two uh, first time guests. We have got school librarian and queer lit enthusiast. Ingrid Conley Abrams. Hello, fellow Hello. youths. <laughs> Yay. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> also joining us is uh, the entertainment features editor of Teen Vogue. Hey, it's Gabe Bergato. Yay. Hello. Um, Thank you guys so much for coming on today to talk to uh, the world about <laughs> listening to fear. And since you guys are first-time guests, uh, Ingrid, would you like to start us off with giving us your Buffy origin story? Yeah, so I am I am not a millennial. I am a Gen Xer. So yes. Buffy was Yes, you may have heard of us. We're just like you, except more lazy and <laughs> less employable. And so Buffy was on when I was in college and um, you know, unlike the kids today, I couldn't just stream Buffy from my room. I had to go find a common room where someone where either there was nobody there or there were like people watching Buffy already and it wasn't super cool to be watching Buffy it was kind of like this shameful act where I was like pecking around common rooms to see like who would watch with me um but it was very important for a lot of us I went to like this feminist college in the woods the kind of college where you know when Ellen came out in that episode there was like cheering and screaming all over campus oh <laughs> Ellen was an adult, and Willow and Tara were more of our contemporaries. Yeah. So mm. the show was a very big deal for certain people on campus. That makes me happy that you went to a school that was, like, that progressive back then. I Funnily had to... enough, my high school did not care <laughs> uh, one way or the other about what was uh, sexual orientation. Ingrid, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because in college, a girl I, like, tricked myself into thinking I had a crush on because she really loved Buffy. She had like a <laughs> TV with cable in her dorm. So I would Ooh. go to her dorm room to watch Buffy. <laughs> Many a relationship has been built on worse. I fully support <laughs> this. <laughs> um, and Gabe, would you like to give us your Buffy origin? Yeah. So it's kind of like spotty all over. I remember like being pretty young and seeing um, the episode um, from season one about um, Amy and the witches and her mom and everything. And I just like loved witches. So I just remember like watching that, um, but never got a chance to really get into it. And then I was playing hooky, I think during elementary school, I like pretended to be sick. Um, and I was making, I think, grilled cheese in, like, a waffle maker at home, and I just turned on the TV, and it was, like, season four being replayed on FX. Um, so that's kind of when I first got into it, and then soon after that, I think the show actually had just finished, um, and then I ended up buying the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the Chosen, the Chosen Collection, like, the big DVD box set. Ooh, yeah. Um, and I still have it, and it's, like, I, I like... I have a DVD player, so whenever I watch real, we watch old episodes. I'm watching through DVDs, which is great. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my spotty um, um, Buffy history. That's fantastic. And by the way, thank you for triggering all of us with by that series of words you said. With uh, you were in elementary, elementary school, school watching a rerun of season four. <laughs> yeah, I feel personally attacked by that. I, I edit that part out later. <laughs> It never happened. I'm just a student of queer history, you know, early on. <laughs> How dare you, Gabe? I'm amazed I'm able to wake up long enough from my <laughs> to record infirmary this podcast. to, to like, even do this podcast. <laughs> um, so we're here today to discuss season five's Listening to Fear. Um, it's kind of... I feel like this episode and the episode before it, Shadow, kind of, like, go together, because it's, like, <laughs> we first learn that there's, like, you know, Joyce's headaches, quote-unquote, aren't just headaches, um, and it's something serious, yeah. and as I've said in every episode, I feel like watching it now, it's, like, even more upsetting, because, like, you know she's not gonna recover, you're just like, Oh my fuck. god, imagine watching it, like, because when I watched season five, I knew, you know, I knew how this it was all gonna yeah. end. 
Um, but just imagine watching that live and being just like, oh, that's, that's good thing that's over. That, <laughs> yeah. That felt scared. Um, I think like Joe Reed, who's been on a lot has said like watching it live, everyone was like, oh, well, of course it's her mom. She's going to be fine. Like, oh, it probably has something to do with glory. So she'll be okay. And then, well, fuck everyone, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting what Joyce's health situation does to watching season five again yeah. is it fills every moment with dread yes like mm-hmm. any available like it, it really does like i'm not saying oh good but like it really did a lot of favors to a lot of the other maybe you know kind of thinner episodes to really just lay on just this like well this is foreshadowing like there's yeah. like, it's just so much in there later uh, that just makes every episode just unbearable thinking yes. about yeah it. Usually when I rewatch Buffy, I, I skip this season. I find yeah. it really hard, especially since I watched Buffy, you know, as it was airing. And now that I'm someone who's been reading, you know, YA literature for years, like this is what you do to a hero, right? Yeah. You take away all their support systems, right? Yeah. She loses yeah. her mom. She loses Giles later. So mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, they're making Buffy more and more isolated. And now as a many time rewatcher, it seems so obvious or is it yeah. the first time I was watching it? I just didn't think it would happen. Yeah. Well, and whenever I'm rewatching this this season, I feel like I'm always going to episodes like Family or Triangle or like yes. the one where um where Tara gets her brain eaten by yeah. Glory. And this was like an episode that I always just like call it off as like you know like call it oh it's that weird space episode <laughs> where like there's like that weird alien. And then rewatching it, I was like, oh my god, there's like a lot more in this episode than I remember. Um, and especially the last scene, um, because this is kind of, in a lot of ways, like, um, Buffy's mom's goodbye to her. Because, like, you don't get a speech like that in any of the other episodes. Um, and, yeah, it was just, like, I was like, I was like, wow, I'm very glad that I ended up rewatching this episode because it's been too long. It, it, it has that effect. Because you really don't see much of, of Joyce again um, it, it for, you know, until, until, until the big one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it it has sort of um, you know I, I, when I rewatch TV, I usually kind of do it you know with whatever gives me the most sort of comfort, especially in shows like this where there's you know sort of that vibe of these are your friends or whatever like that when you, when you sort of like kind of enjoy coming back and you know like kind of being around the people. Um, and season five, like you know Ingrid said, it's very hard to revisit. Um, because you're not allowed that comfort because you know every single time that there's like a relief moment or something like that that it's all like a fake out like this is not going to end well and i think ingrid what you said is really true and kind of interesting that i always say this we because we get a lot of surprise i mean adam is here and we get a lot of ya authors on the podcast and a lot of them like say this is like they do consider this really good ya and it's crazy that no one from this show like Jane Espenson or someone like that never became a YA writer because this always to me mm. feels like really good YA. Um, it's great YA, but um, it's the kind of YA that like you'll read and you'd be like, oh, they forgot to do the school stuff. Like, <laughs> it's where, like it does. They do. They do tend to feel a little more adult in this season, especially because you know it's natural because there's less of a school setting and the responsibilities are just so much more. But I mean, in all other aspects, yes, it is like really, really, really good way, but it is one of those ones where it's like, oh, this is really good, except they forgot that she has to do homework at some point. (laughs) Um, Right. I was thinking this is more like, um, sort of like the new adult genre. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, Whereas, you know, Buffy and her friends, they have, they're straddling this line between childhood and adulthood, or I should say like teenhood and adulthood. You know, Buffy has always had to be responsible because she's the slayer, but now she's even more responsible because she's in this role where she's taking care of her mom and she's taking care of Dawn and she's being thrown all these new adult responsibilities. Um, So I found it, you know, pretty relatable, but maybe it's more new adult than YA at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, So... Let's start with the beginning of the episode. Um, We get, you know, Dawn and Buffy in their mom's hospital room talking. I do think it's cute. I mean, we get... I don't... I I think we all probably... I think... Well, I know Ingrid and Adam are vaguely in agreement with me. Um, 
least I think we've discussed it on Twitter, Ingrid, um, about Dawn, like, being like, I understand. Like, I get it. Um, and I feel like she, in this season, watching it for the podcast, I have to say, I've even more so sympathized with her. Because mm-hmm. the word vomit thing she has is very anxious, like, young teen. Mm-hmm. Where she just, like, keeps talking to fill in silence. And then, you know, Buffy's like, you're the one who insisted we teach her how to talk, which I thought was... <laughs> funny they like draw they know what they're doing with dawn i don't think dawn's like like always talking so much or being like vaguely annoying is not i think it's all done on purpose right she's much more endearing in a rewatch but yes um in college i was very much of the you know dawn being like the get out get out get out that people (laughs) would always say about her but i i don't feel that way this time i i find her i find her very charming yeah, when I watched it as a teen, I, like, hated Dawn. I was like, who is this rando? I mean, I know who this rando is. This is Ice Princess um, and um, Harriet the Spy. Um, but I was like, I never loved her. But then going back and rewatching it, and I'm an older brother, um, and watching it again in college, I was like, wait, like, I think that the writing of Dawn is, like, actually really excellent. And just the idea of, like, realizing that you're, like, you're, you know, it's, it's such a metaphor of like feeling like your teen, a teen who doesn't belong, yeah. but just like to like, uh, like, you know, the level of being a orb of energy. Um, <laughs> but I, the more and more I watch it, like I, um, I appreciate Dawn so much. And I, one of my favorite episodes over the years has actually become the episode in season six where she, um, she accidentally wishes that everyone stays home. Um, mm-hmm. Because it just like mm-hmm. makes me really, like it really gets inside of like, the head of a teenager who like doesn't have a lot of peers who are friends um, or appear a lot of peers for her age. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's just like, it's fun seeing her, especially in this stage right now where she's still discovering what she actually is. Um, I love Dawn. Yeah. She's, um, you know, like you said, it's on a, on a rewatch. It's better because I think also, you know, sort of a lot of hindsight really helps with this. Like as I get older is, is to look back and see like, Oh no, this is like classic um, younger sibling, you know, can't really distinguish yet between good attention and bad attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and she's just sort of desperate to sort of uh, occupy space. Yeah. Um, in in the house. Um, um, and had that be validated. Um. So then we get to which I feel like is very uh, Whedon-y. Um. We get Buffy's like, oh well, Riley's patrolling with them. I'm sure it's going fine. And then we cut to the mess that is Giles, Xander, and Willow patrolling. Um. Mm. And I have to say, I really like that Willow's the one that saves the day. Uh, and I appreciate that when we see them getting thrown, and Matthew actually points this out a lot in episodes, is the fighting style they do. And, you know, like, Giles, Willow, and Xander are literally having to, like, do physical fights, which they don't often have, like, a scene where, like, they're not just, like, a side. Like, oh, they punch one vampire. Uh, and I like that it, when Willow's getting thrown around, she's, like, flailing the way, like, any of us would be flailing if we were trying to fight a vampire? I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like, the way, like, a human person who's not a vampire slayer would be flailing about, but she's still the yeah. one that, like, slays the vamps. Um, and I really like that, and, like, she's so cute when she's, like, super excited about it, and then she's like, oh, that was so exciting, except for the part where I was terrified, and then she falls over a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're keeping the willow in there, but they're definitely building slowly this image of her as... Yes a very capable, almost aggressive person. Yeah. As we'll, like, eventually, towards the end of the season, get to sort of really witness that darkness. Yeah, and I put in my notes, it was, it feels like, even though Anya and Tara also aren't big fighters, no one else there is, and I'm like, why didn't they bring them? But I Yeah, guess- they really seem so helpless in that moment. Like, right? you know, like, Riley cops out on them, and you've got, like, two scrawny teenagers and an old ass yeah. school librarian like beating up vampires and I'm just like Riley you're so irresponsible <laughs> basically well because the, the vampires have that supernatural combat skills yeah. You, know, yeah. it's not, you need somebody who has combat experience um, and then so we get we get a lot of the hospital it's like all the Buffy scenes are very like oh god I said to Adam before we started recording like it's not quite enjoyable to watch those scenes, but they're good. Like they feel real. Um, and you know, it's I think so hard knowing what happens, like yeah, watching the like 
oh, Dawn gets into the hospital bed with Joyce and, oh, hey, hey, mom, we're, yeah. we're getting through this, you know, and it just is so, like, like <laughs> it's such a point of innocence, like, it's just like, please, 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 you don't understand what's coming, please, Beth. get out of the bed, it's very, the tone is all wrong. <laughs> everyone just leave Sunnydale, like, everyone leave. <laughs> so then we get, which I think is really cute, and actually a point that, as the show progresses, not only does Willow become more, like, aggressive, and by the beginning of season six, she's kind of, like, the leader once Buffy's not there, uh, we get Willow visit. Willow, Willow's the only one that really like visits visits Joyce in the hospital. Because mm-hmm. um, I think also as the season progress, Willow and Buffy naturally become better best friends. And I almost feels like Xander. Xander is they love Xander, but he's not the best friend. It, like the best friends are Buffy and Willow. Um, yes. And I I kind of like them doing that with you know Willow comes and she's trying to be optimistic. She's trying to be very Willow about it. Uh, and she has the, like, silly beer hat that she brings for Joyce. Um, but then, you know, Joyce has one of her freakouts, and it's like, oh, God. I'm reminded that Willow is Jewish, which is something we would always, my family is Jewish. And when I would come home from college and watch Buffy with them, we would always joke that Willow is not <laughs> Jewish. Like, <laughs> she's not a Jewish person. I don't know what kind of fuckery is going on in Sunday, Sunnydale, but no, she's not. But... <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller and Michelle Trachtenberg, both Jewish. The Slayer is a Jewish person. Wait, Sarah Michelle Geller is Jewish? She sure oh. is! I didn't well, know and that. Michelle Trachtenberg. Huh. Huh. Well, yeah. I, I, my God, I... I. All right, great. You taught me something today, Ingrid. <laughs> oh, if you need to know who is Jewish and who is gay, I can help you out at any time. <laughs> any time. This is all I think about. But yeah, I mean, she's always wearing that cross with the Slayer is Jewish and the, you know, yeah. Willow. No. Yeah, that's funny. No, Jewish people don't buy beer hats. It doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that Ingrid, that's funny because it's like my mom. My mom was born in Puerto Rico. She knows every celebrity that is even remotely Puerto Rican. The, the other day she was like, oh, did you know that Sonny Hostin from The View is Puerto Rican? I was like, I did not know that, Mom. Then we get a really cute Willow and Tara rooftop scene, which actually I had completely forgotten about, but it's actually pretty cute. Them just, like, <laughs> being adorable. Um, and this episode also gives us a couple of shots. So there's this rooftop, and then there's, you know, the Queller Demon where it crashes. It gives us, like, two new, uh, like, environments which the show doesn't normally do normally it's like especially this season it's like the hospital the house or the magic box that's it uh and, and glory's apartment don't forget that right one. yes well glory's like a beautiful Ooh, yeah. whatever mansion apartment <laughs> uh yeah i think the rooftop scene is really cute and it's also more heartbreaking because also i'm like oh tara's gonna die in a season fuck like um, you just, I don't know, for some reason, from season five onward, you just become so aware of everyone's impending doom. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not, like, it really ends at season four, the sort of <laughs> feeling of, like, we're all in school, and everything's fun. Like, it, it, there's, like, season five onward, you're just like, anyone can die, it's gonna happen soon, like, well, there's only, only 17 episodes left with this curse. Like, it's, it's weird how that activates. <laughs> I, I just love that, like, it really shows how big of a troll Tara can be. Uh, when she's like calling the different constellations things that are definitely not real and I was second guessing myself I was like oh yeah the pineapple whatever um, and I was like wait no Tara's lying because she always does this shit um, but yeah I mean well I also I love the, the shot of them standing and then you see the shooting you see the meteor coming down yeah. isn't that like used in one of the I feel like it's used either in a lot of fan made vids because it probably is Um <laughs> Or in one of the opening credits for a future season. I'm not sure. Um, but I just love that shot of them on, on the roof with the, the falling yeah. falling star. Mm. Yeah. I never thought of Tara as a gaslighter, and now my world has also changed. <laughs> but she does I chucked it after her, her backwards homeschooling. I was like, oh, poor thing. She did not go to public school. This is what they taught her. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> that might be right, actually. <laughs> Tara's I promise you, Amy Adams is pointing out pineapples in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a rival, but it's... <laughs> next to the pineapple is the Jesus star. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I also wanted to point out that I really hate the Queller Demon. It's like gross, and I just hate it. 
Uh, it's really creepy. It, it looks like a giant cockroach, which clearly it's supposed to, but that's why I hate it. Yeah, like most people person. call it a mean puke baby armadillo. <laughs> yeah. that's, it's just a mean puke baby. With, like, fangs and ugh. Um, I, I also love that we get more... I almost wish this episode had been Buffy dealing with Joyce and the Scroobies dealing with the Queller Demon. Um, because I do love... That, you know, Riley does come with them. They go to investigate. I love the scene of him pulling the gross slug juice out of the guy's mouth. And all of them are like, bleh, bleh. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, it shows that, like, you know, none of them really, without Buffy, they don't, they truly don't really know what they're doing. Like, I feel like Giles kind of does, but he's not used to having to yeah. do hands-on stuff. And I like when uh, my favorite episodes are when Buffy doesn't know what she's doing. Like I, I yeah. love when it's acknowledged that she's like, "Ooh, this is gross. Ooh, what is this? <laughs> uh, who are you?" Like I, I, those I prefer those over the like hyper competent. I know exactly what to do in the situation. <laughs> um, like her learning as she goes, just you know how to like overcome something. And you know, and I and I do like that Willow numerous times is like. We should call Buffy. Can we call Buffy yet? No, we can't call Buffy. Like, they are really trying to pick it up um, for being, you know, not having super strength or super fighting abilities. They're all, like, doing the good friend thing where they're like, no, she has to deal with this. And even Tara says, like, no, like, her real life stuff has to come first. Um, Which, I don't know, I just, they're such a good family and I love them all so much. I wanted to point out, I don't know, Gabe, I know you said you watch it on DVD. I watch it on Hulu. When they all leave and Riley calls the initiative, on Hulu, there's very clearly a person standing at the edge of the screen, like, with a jacket. Uh, but Hulu has, oh, like, is the is this that thing ratios. where they widened the frame? Yes. Uh. <laughs> because I was watching it, and I was like, oh, is, is that Willow still standing there? And then I rewound it and was like, oh, no, they all walked away. That's, like, a crew member standing at she the edge like of the screen. She's like that in Fury. Like, I don't know, like, I, it, we have... It's been like years where people are realizing that this is happening. You're still seeing these shots where there's like an Aquafina bottle left around <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> it's a very popular Sunnydale water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I also had a do we think the desert wooded area is actually like a location or a sound stage? I couldn't quite tell. I don't know. <laughs> that big gash in the ground did not look like it was organically made. It looked like it was sort of plopped. Yeah. Down. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, I wonder if this is, like, a backlot thing or whether it's, Honestly, I'll tell you, 90% of stuff is not location. Like, it's, it's, or they, like, brought it specifically there. It's, it's, it's probably, yeah, like I said. So we get, you know, then we get more of Joyce. You know, they, was it, they, do they release her yet? I don't think they release her yet. No. Um, you know, and I, I, my heart... It's like my heart breaks for Dawn. My heart breaks even more for Buffy because it's like Dawn is the kid. So Buffy's trying to also protect her. And Buffy just has so many fucking things going on this season. And none of them are great. You know, her boyfriend's being a dickhead and like not <sighs> helping. And can we like, can we also talk about how like this is so Riley's going to the like vampire, like <laughs> brothel. I don't know what he's doing. Like I just where he's like. And I, he's letting the sort yeah. of like feed on me sort of thing where it just it really doesn't work with this character at all. This is a weird sex thing, right? Yes, like, no, totally. You know, yeah. if we're talking about like vampires in place of like sexual acts, like this is some weird secretive, like it's like addict behavior. You know, he's doing it in secret. He's shirking his responsibilities and letting other people down. And it's like this weird vampire prostitution thing maybe i don't know who's getting paid somebody's getting paid (laughs) yeah he's like just going to sort of like the really comical bad part of sunny day (laughs) 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 i never really code this part of sunnydale a lot and they're like oh no he's doing the bad stuff in the bad part of town he's in like a condemned building for this episode right it's not like the bar this time like i don't know i always read it not as like a sexual thing but as like a weird like I'm this boring white dude, and I want to feel something, so I'm going to harm myself um, situation. It's a a little bit of that. Like, that's kind of how, um, like, the Hoyt character in True Blood eventually got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where he just kind of, like, 
it was sort of fetishized, but it was also sort of just like uh, I led the sort of I led the sort of bland life, and now I'm just like gonna edge a little bit, with <laughs> getting fed upon. Which character in True Blood was Hoyt? I forget. Hoyt Jessica's was because man. Yeah, Jessica's dude who had the mama who was like. Oh right, 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 right. Okay, Jessica's the redhead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay, I remember that. Um, I only watched the first two seasons, and then I like casually watched after that. Um, I watched every last bad drop of that. <laughs> bad drop. <laughs> it was so like it was Elaine with the bad sub card towards the end. Like I was like I'm. I've watched six seasons of this. I have to just watch this bad last season and just. <laughs> do it i'm gonna do it and watch it and do it fine now it's done now it's out of my life i like i gave it up for like three years and then i went back to watch the last three seasons like literally two summers ago Uh, um it's not as narratively cohesive as buffy so we'll leave it there ingrid what are your views on true blood um i mean i don't mean to like play into every librarian stereotype possible but I can't help myself and I read the books first and the books are super fun and trashy yes but like but like a good time like you enjoy yourself but they're bad shit and then when you watch the show you're it's so much further off the rails than the books were but it, it just stopped being fun for me correct because i i read a few of the other ones and they really get goofy like when they bring in the panthers like the wear panther stuff and the fairy like they really go there and like it's like oh now we've got like sookie had like a gay fairy cousin who was a hot mess express like he came in like it's stuff that i was really hoping they'd do because it's like it was very clearly on his face a queer show but they kept insisting on being like no we're gonna do a really long run of just drab, joyless, <laughs> all, but also nonsense. Like stuff. It was, it was, you know. Yeah, my. I remember there was like, oh, I'm sorry. There was like this line in the sand, sort of between Buffy fans and Charmed fans. And I remember, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the Charmed fans are wrong, and I am correct, which is important for you all to note right now. But like, my main problem with Charmed was like. There was just too much shit all the time. Like Buffy, there's a universe and there's a bit of a rhyme and reason to the chaos. But on Charm, there was there was just like that's a fairy and that's an elf and like you know and it, it was, was everyone and that stop with Charm. Yeah, Jesus. And the I mean, you watched it for the clothes probably, <laughs> but True Blood was the same way. Just like not everything can be magical. There has to be like a Xander there. Every single person by the end of it was like. And there were so many switchbacks, like they made, so Bill was a god, and then God was, like, and it just went, and then he was back to a normal vampire. Like, it was so, like, you couldn't just jump in in the middle and even vaguely understand who was who. Yeah, whenever I would, like, casually watch an episode, I'd be like, well, I have no idea what's going on anymore. And the whole last season, they just decided for some reason to do, like, vampire metaphor for, like, HIV. It was very unwise. Oh, jeez. No and, one asked for that. And they call off Rutina on episode two, and after that, I was very oh, upset. She clearly wasn't even on set for her death scene. She dies like off camera. <laughs> yeah, in like a garage. <laughs> yes, like the, the like the, they took a shot from the end of season six, whip panned away. You heard a staking, and then like the next morning, they were like, "Oh no, they killed, they killed her." I can't believe, I can't believe they killed her. Oh my god! Like it, it was, and then it was. Moving on. Oh, <laughs> sorry, we hijacked. This is now. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just saved a lot of people a lot of time with Charmed oh. and True Blood. This is a public service. <laughs> Correct. I think you're once you get to the end of season four of True Blood, I think you're fine being done. If you really want to, you know, it's actually funny it. because my mom shares the same opinion as you, Ingrid, and you, Adam. Because my mom read the books and she would be like, "Oh, they're fun." And then she was like, the show isn't quite like the books. The show was like, what if we took this fun thing and we just didn't have fun with it? (laughs) Um, Anyway, back to Buffy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So then they do release Joyce. I'm not sure. The timeline of my notes is a little fuzzy. Um, But Giles and the gang goes to the University of Sunnydale Library, which I didn't even think we saw ever again after season four. 
We saw it in season seven in conversations with dead people. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. But like rebuild. Yeah, I don't think it was a yeah. set. It's like, a really nice library. It's not lit. It's pitch black in there, but the hospital's also pitch black all over the place. So I think that's just their aesthetic in Sunnydale. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I actually put in my notes in all caps, this episode is too goddamn dark. Uh, <laughs> but when they get to the house, it is like on purpose because Joyce is complaining about the lights. But uh, well, they, they clearly wanted to have the Queller demon in a probably not great cheap looking costume <laughs> yeah, disguised in the shadows. I'm sure it would be a lot less creepy if that thing was crawling around their house with all the lights on because then Buffy would very easily vanquish that fucking thing. Like who washes dishes in the dark? <laughs> who listens to the music she was listening <gasps> to? She is trying to have a good time with that like dance music but like old lady dance music. She was just trying to cover up the fact that she was sobbing over her mom having a brain tumor, y'all. <laughs> she wasn't. I can't. Uh, yeah, it was. It's that funny. In, in the closed crying. captions, it says like loud Spanish music plays. <laughs> <laughs> you need Are to get that Latina like as a reaction. In Sunnydale? <laughs> there should be, considering it's like LA area. Also, that reminds me of uh, Thirty Rock, Ingrid, when Tracy Jordan's like, "Why aren't there any Puerto Ricans on Star Trek?" <laughs> yeah so i actually think once we get the queller demon in the house that it weirdly does something it hasn't done in a while where it kind of plays on horror tropes um you know like her walking around the house in the complete dark and then like picking up the knife slowly all reminded me of like scream Oh my god! And, and I, it re- well, it reminded me of season two where they used to just get really more. Yeah. Like they didn't give as much of a, a fuck about like doing the like. Oh, what was that? Oh, it's just a cat. Like kind of stuff like that yeah. would be like where it just where they do the like really horror movie cuts and like the Ted episode where it was just like oh oh we standing behind you you were talking about it yeah and like all that sort of thing. I would also like to take a moment to say that um, when Buffy's crying washing her dishes, I fucking cried watching it. It was just, I think the episode before this, when Riley's like, you can let it out. And she's like, I can't because it'll never stop. So she has like this private moment where she's like, I'm going to turn this music up and I'm going to fucking cry my heart out while no one's looking and then get back to like helping my mom and my sister. Her isolation is so palpable in that dishwashing scene. And, you know, you start to see in Buffy that, you know, there's all this, like, scary shit out in Sunnydale with these demons and these vampires. But the thing that's, like, frightening Buffy to her core is just, like, these everyday real-life tragedies and she can't save anybody. And that, to me, is why she's just so utterly alone in that moment is she can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's no magic. There's no nothing. There's nothing to slay. Um, and something that I wanted to point out that we that was earlier in the episode we didn't talk about is that she doesn't tell Dawn that like that um, Joyce might be like having some weird side effects from the tumor, um, and like kind of like isn't fully honest with all the health concerns, which I think was just a really interesting um, thing because the entire season, like she's trying to protect Dawn by keeping her from the truth, um, both about the actual situation with Joyce and also, like, about who she is. Um, and it's just, like, as the, the job of a Slayer be- is being completely, like, completely alone, it's just, like, really drives that shit home. And I was like, wow, like, this is a moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, honestly, like, I, if I could, I, and I'm not even joking, I would create, like, a Tumblr that was just, like, people crying while trying not to because they're trying to do some mundane chore. <laughs> like, just be, like, crying while back. Like, just, what, it seems to me like this, such a, like, people do that in movies where they'll be like, oh, she's crying, like, she's, she's, she's trying to vacuum, she's trying to just do her taxes right now, but oh, no, no, it's overcoming her now. Because, like, that is when it comes. That is when the crying comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, absolutely. Ne- it never comes when someone says, hey, it's okay, let it out. It always comes when you're just trying anything to like, you're just trying to distract yourself. And that's when it just like comes knocking. So then, you know, Dawn has to go in and help her mom after her mom just like told her she was not real and not a thing, which is kind of like, I don't know, um, a lot. And I, I mean, Dawn's supposed to be 14. Granted, sometimes she's written a little younger than she seems, Mm -hmm. but 
I can't imagine being 14 and having to... I mean, I know this is a ridiculous sentence, but being 14 and having my mom have a brain tumor and having to help her while a demon is infiltrating our house. So I give Dawn some credit there for that. Yeah, for as much shit people call, like, say about her, she knew how to, like, pick up that coat rack and yeah. nail that demon down. <laughs> like, I don't know that I would have thought about that at 35, like... <laughs> Because I was like, I was like, wait, how does this scene go again? I'm like, does she scream for Buffy and Buffy comes and saves her? I'm like, oh, no, she actually does something. Yeah. And is able to, like, help for a moment. Also, even though she is, like, hurt by it, you know, clearly when Joyce calls her a thing, growing up, if I was 14 and my mom had said that to me, I would have not handled it that cool. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> it would have been full stop everything you're doing, everyone. In the, put, put that down. Everybody's, I'm going, I'm going to now scream at everybody and storm out and do something really wild. You're all going to come in this room and I'm going to yell at each of you individually. I'm going to make you all so sorry this happened. So. <laughs> that reminds me, one time when my friends and I were taking a road trip, one of my, I won't call him out because this is embarrassing, but well, two of my straight friends were really into Dane Cook at the time. Um, oh no that's embarrassing yeah so i won't say who it was but they were like really into and to be fair it was when he had just come out but i still hated him immediately because duh and i was like so cranky from our road trip and i had to like go to the bathroom when we were on the highway and i was like i'm gonna pee my pants blah blah and they were like well we're gonna put on dane cook and i was like if you fucking put on dane cook i'm gonna personally insult everyone in this car (laughs) because i'm a really pleasant person (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah so i imagine at 14 i would also do the same thing um, <laughs> I, oh so then we get spike's one scene in the episode which i do like is that he was stealing from the basement um but also i'm i assumed that he was stealing buffy things because he's being creepy right that's what that's the implication there right yeah yeah he's not yeah, actually just stealing right he's not actually just stealing for like stealing purposes he's stealing for like now that it's okay to go into like a vague friend's house i mean their their relationship is so weird at the beginning of the season because they're like kind of friends and he kind of helps them sometimes but like he's obsessed with i don't know Um, i was really struck in that part that buffy just attracts the worst men i mean you think that riley you know she's like carrie bradshaw and that like every one of her boyfriends is just the worst person I'm not an Angel fan. I call him Angle. I don't care for him. <laughs> Send him off to where he belongs. I call I call Riley Blucas. You think he's going to be okay, but Blucas turns out to be totally intimidated by everything that Buffy is, right? That's why he's melting down and being, you know, sucked off by vampire prostitutes. And then she's got, like, Spike, who's, like, he's a criminal. I mean, yeah, he's, he's yeah. yeah. He's just a creep. <laughs> Literally the only non-awful person she's ever dated was that gay guy in season three. <laughs> but he dumps her right before prom. <laughs> I know, that's a thing. It's all so bad. <laughs> but that's like the best thing, yeah. <laughs> Even attracts best one. a gay So I also really like James Marsder's acting when the Queller demon jumps on him. Because it's like, oh, Spike, like you said, Ingrid, he's a criminal. He's a demon. But he looks genuinely afraid of this creepy bug demon. He's, like, freaking out, which is, like, me when there's a bug on me. Uh, And I appreciate that this, like, evil vampire is freaking out about that. Um, And Buffy, I I appreciate Buffy's annoyance. with Like, she's already done with him. She's already annoyed. And then when he's fighting the Queller demon, he kicks the knife out of her hand. And she's just like, ugh like, rolling her eyes at it. Um, Because at this point, Spike is a total annoyance in her life. It's like, she has so much shit going on, she doesn't have time for you, Spike. I also put in my notes, how many times has Buffy fallen down her own steps? I feel like at least once a season, she falls down those steps in her house (laughs) while fighting someone. That's a, a, like, that's a compilation YouTube clip (laughs) I'd love to see. (laughs) Um, I know in season four there was her and Faith rolling down those steps. I'm sure they rolled down those steps a few times. Um, you know, her and Ted when she accidentally breaks his neck or whatever. Ted they replaced that coffee this, table happened. like nine times. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, the coffee <laughs> So she kills the demon, blah blah blah. It's really gross. Um, she dabs it. Uh, then we find out blah, 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 Ben has some relation to Glory because we see him talking to her minion. And I also just forgot because I don't I didn't put it in my notes is it, it's supposed to be that Ben called the Queller, right? 
Yeah. yeah, he was trying to get rid of all of, like, he was trying to get rid of the, like, mounting number of, like, Glory's victims of yeah, Glory's yeah. bean sucking. As you said, I've, I've always had to, like, clean up Glory's messes. Right. Uh, and also, like, shout out to Ben. It looks like he's wearing highlighter, but I think just those cheekbones are just so high. <laughs> yeah, they're just cheekbones. little apples right there. <laughs> Uh, but I think the fact that you're a little confused about that kind of speaks to a lot of what goes on in this season is that people who've rewatched it a million times <laughs> are always still like, wait, what just happened? Why did he do that? Did he do that? And, you know, I've seen this season maybe seven times. I still don't fully understand what the hell's happening. <laughs> well, because you're under Glory's thrall and she's making it so that you can't totally understand what's happening. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then, then we get the scene that really kills me is Buffy and Joyce in Joyce's hospital room, and Joyce realizes that Dawn wasn't real. And I kind of think, I mean, Adam, I think you said at the beginning of recording that this is one of the last big speeches we get from Joyce, one of the last big Joyce moments. And yeah, I think uh, Gabe said that. But, oh yeah, um, Gabe. yeah, that was something that was. I mean, she's. This is supposed to be the fake out that she's fine. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I think the scene is. Uh, ugh, it breaks my heart, and I do think it does a good job. You know, without even maybe this is like one of the first times I thought about it, but I think this is why Buffy's so insistent that at the end of the season in the gift, when Giles is like, "If she starts, we have to kill her," and she's like, "If any of you go near Dawn, I will kill you." And I think it's because this is, like, the last big conversation she has with her mom is that she promises to protect Dawn like she's their own. And that's what Joyce specifically says. And, God, I'm getting teared up. And then Joyce says, like, oh, my sweet, brave Buffy, which, oof, oh, boy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of think that's the moment when Buffy becomes obsessed with I have to protect Dawn. And, you know, Giles is kind of right at the end when they have that fight in the gift everyone's kind of right like so if dawn i mean that's gets, if dawn gets cut okay we're all supposed to die got it like that's what buffy's getting at which is like is unfair but i feel like in the context of oh my mother who died the last time we had a big talk she told me to protect dawn like at all costs so buffy's kind of like holding on to that i mean I, the way i view season five buffy again is um she might very well mean, you know, if 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 Dawn gets cut, we're all dead. You know, sort of. She might mean that, or it could also be like a little bit of a very very clever um, general strategy um, for how to motivate people, because that's basically like it. Listen, however you guys might be, if, if anybody's thinking of compartmentalizing this in your head that she's not real and it's no big loss and this was done to us and she's just a ball of light and it's gonna be fine um everybody should be fighting like you're gonna die if this happens mm-hmm. and so i always sort of saw this as sort of like a strategy in her um you know and it might have very well been what she's thinking but i think you know yeah that would be if i if i if i were that which i often wonder what I would do in these situations um, is just a matter of like, yeah, I think that was a very good strategy of getting everybody to severely hustle in that finale because it was a lot of moving parts. Um, going back to going back to Joyce's speech, though, I mean, like, obviously, the big tearjerker moment is like, yeah, it's like protect Dawn with your life, essentially. But what also really got me is just like Joyce realizing that Dawn isn't truly like real and still accepting her as her own. Because when you think back to, like, how she reacted when Buffy, like, came out as the Slayer, like, you know, there was all that drama. But this idea that, like, because there's, like, kind of that fake out where she pauses being, like, she's not ours, right? And she's, like, it doesn't matter if she's not ours. Like, she still, like, she still is, like, one of us. Um, And she's real now. Yeah. The realness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And that's just, like, what really got to me. It's, like, does not matter where she came from she's here now and it kind of like same with like tara and the family it's just like it does not matter how the scooby got there at the end of the day they're all going to like love them and protect them no matter what yeah, well said. see that now i 
<laughs> I have a lot of feelings. Um, that <laughs> for me, you just like pinpointed what I love about the show is that like they do kind of blend family and chosen family. Like you know, I, I do think <laughs> when everyone's really upset when Joyce passes away, not they're not just, and they are clearly are upset because it's you know their best friend's mom. But I think they all did care about you know what I mean. It's someone they cared about. While Joyce is Buffy's mom, she's part of she's kind of part of their chosen family as well, like for mm-hmm. the Scoobies. And, you know, it's crazy to think like, oh, well, Dawn is her daughter, but like isn't her daughter, but she's still accepting her because she feels like Dawn is one of their own. Um, and, you know, family's a theme of season five and they really, really, really drive that home like every other episode, which I I don't mind because I like that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like all of us as like queer people understand like, oh, you know, that's, that is really important chosen family, um, and people that you look to as family members. And I don't know, I just, I love that. I love that that's what they're doing this season when all of this crazy shit is going on. They're like also saying, look how much they all love each other. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So I think we've arrived at the end. Uh, Ingrid, do you want to give us your favorite scene? (laughs) That was... (laughs) <laughs> I was like, no, wait a second. Please <laughs> um, I, one of my favorite scenes has to be with with Willow and Tara up on the roof. It was just such a pretty scene, and it was very, um, very on brand Buffy. And that there's this like moment of like comfort and safety, and it all gets ruined at the end. <laughs> but you still. You still have that moment, and and Willow and Tara are just—they're so incredibly sweet together. Yeah. Um, and you know, I say that as someone who I was really angry when Oz left. Like I was super pissed off. Yeah. You know, werewolfness aside, like one of the better partners on the show. Yes. But it's really um, the fact that like viewers can accept the love of Willow and Tara, and I don't mean. The fact that they're lesbians, the fact that that Tara is sort of replacing Oz as the love interest, mm-hmm. yeah. it's you know, it's you can really feel that strong connection there. Yeah, yeah, um, it's crazy because I mean we had Amber Benson on and she said that because I I was like oh like she answered one of my questions because she said she had watched Buffy a few times because her and Allison knew each other prior to this and I was like oh, that makes more sense because it's crazy the chemistry you guys had immediately. Like, right. Not even, even on Buffy, not all the characters, you know, Buffy and Riley didn't, not that they were ever going to be the like beloved couple of the show, but like they never really had that great of chemistry ever. Um, and like Willow and Tara had it immediately. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I think right. it was, it was like, um, I think especially also Tara is, the right partner for Willow of that time. Because Willow is one of the characters who changes the most from season, like, one. Like, there very, is yeah. very definitively high school Willow and college and beyond Willow. Yeah. Gabe, your favorite scene? Um, I think it just has to be the last scene with Joyce and, Joyce and Buffy. Just, like, that talk they have just really gets me. And I kind of already um, ran through why. But also... <laughs> At the very beginning of the scene is actually my favorite outfit of the episode. It's um, it comes courtesy of the nurse. Um, <laughs> she's wearing this great pink cardigan and this like very busy pattern scrub. I um, would love to know where she who she was wearing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just like that final scene was just like really really got me. Um, yeah. All right, Adam. So- you know, I'm, I'm, I might be taking yours here, Ian, but I, the, the, her washing dishes breaking down, it's, it's pretty iconic um, in, in my memory. Like, you know, it's, it's like when, when you said, like, hey, we're going to come on, we're going to do Listening to Fear, very immediately before I even rewatched the episode, it was her with that cha-cha music, like, not holding it together well. Yeah. And it was, it's something where, yeah, it, it, it just, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to argue with that thing. And it's also my favorite outfit, too, because I like, um, I like, Dress down, Buffy, because I'm. If you can see me right now, I'm basically wearing what you're Adam, you stole both my answers. (laughs) I'm sorry. My favorite. What are you gonna do? (laughs) My favorite scene. To be fair, it's a tie. I love 
it's not even like I love it. It's just so well done. The Buffy breaking down scene, and then Gabe, the scene yeah. when their their last speech. But also Ingrid, I love that scene with Willow and Tara on the roof. Like I think that's a really precious, and not in like a too precious kind of way. Like it almost borders on too precious, but it's like very precious, and I love it. Um, so that leads us to favorite outfit, which mine is the plaid. I love that. Um, Ingrid, what's your favorite outfit? <laughs> Um, so right off the bat, when they are fighting in the graveyard, mm. there is one vampire in a snakeskin tank. Yeah, there is. <laughs> and oh, black yes. leather pants. She looks like Jenny McCarthy fucking hosting Singled Out. If you don't know what Singled Out is, go back to Gen Xer. But. I also love that she, I mean, if it's in the graveyard, it means that she was buried in this outfit, which oh. means whoever buried her was just like, you know, she died doing what she loved, shoplifting from Contempo Casuals, so we're just going to bury her in this. It was just such a piece of, it was just so 90s on brand, like I really feel like I had that tank top, it was... Uh, my compliments to the chef. It was just beautiful. <laughs> you know, I hadn't, I hadn't fucking thought of that, and that's really good, the idea of her being buried in that outfit. <laughs> like, I'm picturing all these, like, older relatives being like, oh, she looks beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> this is what she would have wanted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, all right, and the rest of us already gave our favorite outfits. Um, now let's grade the episode, Gabe. What grade do you give it? Um, I would give it an A-. minus. All right. Ingrid? Watching this show, I always sort of had a problem with these kind of, I call them like in-between episodes where you don't really get to see the big bad. They sort of take you aside for a little while, which were never my favorite um, the first time I watched them. But Christine Sutherland is acting her ass off. You can't help but just give it an A plus because she's um, she's incredible. She She was really wonderful. I I totally agree with that. Um, Adam, what do you grade this episode? Solid B. Okay. Um, I actually give it a B as well. Um, and it's funny because I, I think I said this already, but I always think of this and Shadow as like lower points in the season. Maybe it's because I love the show so much, but even like episodes that I consider low points, I'm still like, oh, this is a B. Like that's not a bad grade. Um, but thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Adam, yes. for guest co-hosting with me. Pleasure. If you want to follow SlayerFest on Twitter, we are at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at IanXCarlos. Adam, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me there uh, at TheAdamSass. And Ingrid, where can people find you on the internet? If you want to hear about Queer Lit and lots of Real Housewives, you can follow me at Magpie Librarian on Twitter. And Gabe, where can people find you? If you want to find many tweets about crying to Buffy and some horrible memes, you can follow me at my full name, at Gabe Bergado. Yay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.